and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Tuesday, April 14th. I'm J.E. Skeets, and alongside me, thanks to the power of technology, Tass Mellis. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tassie. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, hey yo. yo. The international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Hmm. And last but not least, the man making the magic happen, J.D. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Guys, email us your NBA questions and comments to no dunks at theathletic.com. We'll be beach stepping tomorrow. That's on Wednesday, April 15th. So you still got mere hours to get those cues and comments in to try to make that one. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at No Dunks Inc. We actually finally got around to releasing our Windy City t shirt from NBA All Star Weekend in Chicago. You can buy one of those right now, $25 plus shipping cost, depends on where you are in the world, at nodunks.com. And all proceeds from sales of this t-shirt are going to be donated to the American Nurses Foundation, okay? By the way, you're also helping out um, the company, the small business we use here in Atlanta to print and ship these. Um, so you're, you're doing, it's a win-win-win because you're getting the t-shirt, you're giving some money to the American Nurses Foundation, and you're helping out a small business here in Atlanta. Those are at nodunks.com. Great shirt. This was a fire shirt you made, Trey Kirby. The people are saying it's fire, and I was happy to see some friends and family in the orders from last night, supporting the team, supporting the nurses, and supporting Fallen Arrows. All good stuff, and it's coming during a week that is a huge week for Bulls fans. Yes. You gotta love it. Yeah, we will get to all that Bulls news that we had over the last couple of days. You also know, of course, that we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nodunksinc. Well, I guess it's official. We're now on Facebook. All right, that's what we're doing here today. We are um, going through uh, the recent NBA news. We'll get to the Bulls and the Jazz. Might even have to touch on the NBA 2K tournament that wrapped up. The Suns win something amazing. But we got to start with, um, I mean, tragic news uh, that re- that dropped on, on yesterday. The Timberwolves announced that Carl Anthony Towns' mother, Jacqueline, died after battling the coronavirus um, this is from a town's family spokesperson. This was in a release statement. Jackie was many things to many people, a wife, mother, daughter, grandmother, sister, aunt, and friend, the matriarch of the town's family. She was an incredible source of strength, fiery, caring, an extremely loving person who touched everyone she met. Her passion was palpable and her energy will never be replaced. Again, super, super sad news because we especially know like what, I guess it was mid-March, right? Later March, when Towns announced that his mom had been placed on a ventilator and was in a medically induced coma due to complications with COVID-19. And, you know, he had that five, six minute video that he shared on social media, pleading people to take this seriously. It's not to be taken lightly. And uh, unfortunately, yesterday, learning the, the news of uh, Jacqueline Cruz Towns. Incredibly sad. And uh, her her husband, Carl Sr., also going through the COVID-19 um, contraction he contracted and was able to get over it but uh, Jackie was not and uh, she also entered the the, uh, the NBA world a little bit earlier this season when uh, th- that word fiery that the uh, the family described of her uh, came through when she was in Philadelphia to see her son play against Joel Embiid and uh, when they got into a little tussle Joel Embiid ejected from the game walking to the locker room and Jackie Towns was absolutely giving it to him defending her son because mm-hmm. she is fiery and it was uh, I love that moment seeing a, a, mo- a mother stand up for her son and it was only a matter of time before you know it's the COVID-19 started closing in on the NBA world it really hasn't hit all that closely uh, until now even Anthony Cowsey who is a uh, a New York Post, a, a, a well-known New York sports photographer, passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, so entered it at that uh, that point a couple of days ago, and uh, and now it's even closer with Jackie Towns. Who, um, yeah, it's uh, it was it was inevitable that it was going to happen with the amount of of deaths happening in in the U.S. It's it's ridiculously sad, and uh, I know everybody reaching out to Carl Towns and uh, the Timberwolves family because, yeah, it's. Uh, both his parents having to go through it it's uh ridiculously hard for him i'm sure yeah and it was um it was sad but also encouraging to see all the support from the other nba players who were out there uh giving their best to carl towns and his family um it's a stressful time for everybody right now and this makes it just even more so for the towns family it's 
likely not the last time that we're going to hear something along these lines regarding the NBA family. But the players always consider it a brotherhood, and it certainly feels like they each have each other's backs uh, during during these trying times, for sure. Yeah, we're obviously uh, sending our, our, our best in our thoughts, our condolences to the Towns family and the entire Timberwolves uh, organization. All right, well, Trey, this was uh, big news over the last couple of days, uh, pivoting here, obviously, from that tragic news to the Bulls. Your Bulls are making some waves here. The Bulls fired... General Manager Gar Foreman, great name, great face, Gar Foreman on Monday. <laughs> after 10 years in that role and 22 years with the team, and this move came soon after the Bulls confirmed the hiring of Nuggets GM Arturis Karnishovas, is I think how you say it. I'll get better at that, don't you worry. Uh, as Karnishovas. The franchi- say it again? Karnishovas. Karnishovas. Okay, not bad. As the franchise's Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations. So he is in, and Gar Foreman is out. Trey, we got to start with you as the diehard Bulls fan. Uh, what do you think of uh, these moves that your team is making here? JD, hit the celebration music. <laughs> it is the best time to be a Bulls fan in, I don't know, four or five seasons, basically. The Bulls just hired the third GM of my life. Of my life. Wow. Jerry Krause, John Paxson, slash Gar Foreman, Gar Pax, obviously, and then now Karnishavis. Uh, but the first time they're pulling somebody from outside of the organization, stealing him from the Denver Nuggets, which has to be encouraging because the main knock on the Bulls is that they have just been a family business, basically. If once a bull, always a bull. It honestly felt like John Paxson and Gar Foreman would be there forever, despite the fact that. Things haven't been so great uh, ever since Derrick Rose blew his knee out. I think it's a partial victory because only Gar is gone. They released that Gar back into the ocean. So now we got Car Packs. That being said, <laughs> John Paxson at least won a title with a jump shot for the Chicago Bulls. So I can understand him still being in the organization. Uh, they're calling him a senior advisor. Uh, I heard Karnishavis saying that he views Paxson as an asset and he's looking forward to collaborating. I just hope he doesn't collaborate too much. And I'm hoping we hear pretty soon uh, that they're moving on from coach Jim Boylan. But honestly, for the Bulls, it, it has been a decent shutdown. They're losing no games. They got a new GM. Gar is gone. <laughs> Zach Levine was the best at horse. And the Bulls doc is coming next week. Yeah. April is good for the Bulls. You might notice that there's no basketball being played, but at least they're <laughs> able to win a month when nothing is going on. Smart move by Karnishavis there to basically not take a dump on John Paxson, knowing that while Paxson won't be around the team day to day, he still has a very, very powerful voice, I think, when it comes to ownership. So uh, it's clear that the ownership finally realized they had to move on. They didn't want to. They still highly regard and respect Paxson and Foreman. But they got rid of one and then just basically removed John Paxson from having any official role with the team there. But while he's on the periphery, it's still not a clean sweep here for Chicago. They need to get rid of him too because you just know that if anything happens, if anything gets a bit crazy, Paxson is still there and we just don't know what he could be saying to the ownership group. So uh, I think it's I think it's great. I think it's a big move for Chicago overall, but I still think they could have done a little bit better by completely moving on uh, from John Paxson. And, and, you know, because if he's in this advisory role where he won't be around the team, they didn't even really need to announce that. They could have just said Paxson's out as well while keeping him in the shadows. You know, because I think that's what a lot of people still feel, particularly Bulls fans about Chicago, that that these two, Paxson and Foreman, have been such a disaster in that organization, especially recently. They need to be gone completely. So... Yeah, but that's all. Isn't that like it's a ceremonial sort of thing, right? I mean, this guy's been with the organization Paxson for what three decades. I mean, yeah. and played there, and of course, have been there the whole time. He was a broadcaster, even. I mean, he's just been there forever. I think it's just yeah. completely ceremonial. Of hey, you're still with the team. You're still a part of the family, but he actually like he actually truly probably isn't. It's yeah. just when he hits a jumper against the Suns, he was gonna have a job for life, and I think that's fair. Like you're saying, he is an ambassador, but hopefully he just remains an ambassador. Yeah. You never yeah. know what the Bulls. Once Gar Foreman was fired, 
people were still curious, uh, fired from what? I know he's still got two years on his contract, yeah. and he's a valuable scout. So is Gar Foreman somehow going to still be in the organization? Who knows? I'm choosing to be optimistic about this right now because at the very least, there's a new number one decision maker, and it's not somebody who was employed by the Bulls two days ago. Mm. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Tass, these changes mean now for the future of uh, Boylan? Well, I would assume that in a, a world where we had games going on that Jim Boylan would have this season um, and then – probably be released from his duties yeah i wonder if if the season is canceled if that changes Karnishevis's plan here or, or just how he has to do things if, if he's sort of forced into keeping jim boylan around to start the season next year which isn't a good thing whatsoever lowry markinen uh, you know trey mentioned was uh it's been a good month for april but lowry markinen has reportedly said that he's been unhappy in his role and that's probably the only, like, other than the Utah Jazz, which we'll get to, the only on-court thing which has been a, an issue since uh, the coronavirus has stopped the league. Mm-hmm. Nobody has really been talking about Lowry Markin. Apparently, doesn't like his role under Jim Boylan because he's become a jump shooter, and that's where all his shots are coming from, are coming from, from three-point territory. So I wouldn't want to see Jim Boylan and Lowry Markin and likely their, their brightest star, young star, you know, besides Zach Levine, Kobe White to some degree, be upset going into next season. So for me, if I'm a Bulls fan, I would like to see them get going now because I think that would mean Jim Boylan likely to be relieved of his duties before next season as, as a guarantee because <laughs> that's the issue with the, with the Bulls is that who the heck knows what this front office is going to do. As Trey said, it's a family business. It's sort of like the Lakers situation, but it doesn't feel like the, the Bulls are going to pull in LeBron James or Anthony Davis some way, some or somehow so in the front office really it's just it's just a question mark and it's nice to see hey maybe Karnishvis can be a, a, a new Masai Ujiri like he was pulled from the Nuggets but if he's not allowed to do what he's supposed to do um, like Masai was in Toronto then really it all goes for naught so that's the scenario to me Trey, as a Bulls fan do you have like a GM in mind that you would love to see in Chicago and or a coach all I know is that I don't want Jim Boylan to be the coach because yeah. Karnishevis comes in and he immediately says, we have a good young core. And that's exactly what I thought heading into this NBA season. But then you see Boylan out there coaching these guys. Obviously, Markinen was unhappy with his role. Basically, it became Zach Levine trying to do everything for the team. And everybody's development was stunted. And I do think that's because they've had the worst coach in the NBA for 18 months. It's really hard to say (laughs) if the Bulls have a good core. Like, is Kobe White going to be a player who can contribute to winning? Or is he going to be a guy that scores 30 off the bench one game and then six off the bench the next game? Is Zach Levine going to take the next step to being from the all-star fringe to a guy who's a reliable number one option? I don't know. Will we see the Lowry Markkinen that had people excited during his rookie year where he was flying around the court, blocking shots, making plays off the dribble, or is he just going to be a corner jump shooter? Uh, With Boylan at the head, I don't think we're going to learn anything of that. So as long as there's somebody who has a little bit more respect on the NBA level, I think that would be huge from the Bulls, just from a seeing what we've got kind of standpoint. So, so your answer to that is ABB, anybody but Boylan. <laughs> anybody <laughs> but Boylan. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know uh, who, who the coach will be, but I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if Karnishevis has a look at Bobby Webster from the Raptors to be the GM. He's got a very, very good reputation uh, in Toronto under Masai Ujiri, and uh, that could be the sort of hiring... That he makes another young guy who's you know got he's done got a very good reputation and maybe wants to build a little something there so hands off bobby ah yeah but bobby i think that's the thing bobby it's just a matter of time before he gets his own job there's no question (laughs) in my mind who's bobby been interviewing with he has been no he hasn't been interviewing with anybody but i know that uh that people respect him a lot throughout the league and I think that, uh, you know, if Masai Jiri, remember, if he was going to New York, he was apparently wanted to take him with him. So Masai regards him very, very highly. But again, it's like Masai Jiri when he was in Denver. It's just a matter of time if you do good work before another team says, hey, let's try this guy. I think hmm. so. I wouldn't well, be surprised. Well, the Bulls have happened. reportedly been interested in Bobby. So maybe, maybe it could yeah. be. Yeah, I think they're definitely going to try and, like you were saying there, Lee, um, get as their new GM and, and who knows what to coach, but... You know, so one of these younger sort of guys that has, has been either an assistant GM or lower on the ranks um, to pair uh, with this yeah. new sort of organization. That makes sense to me. And there's obviously no shortage of names and probably talented people out there that they can try and put. But isn't the Karnishevis man making the decisions here? It yeah. seems like he, he would be the one making the decisions. 
in a in a perfect role. That's why they hired him. They, yeah. I don't think they hired him to hire another guy like Bobby Webster. Really yeah, that's. To, uh, I mean, Bobby Webster would be awesome, but I don't imagine he wants to go from being a number two with the Raptors to a number two with the Bulls. He probably wants yeah. to be a number one guy somewhere, but. At the very least, it seems like Karnishevis is bringing in people that he wants in rather than people that the Bulls are saying, hey, he's been around for a while. Let him stick around. Joe Cowley at the Sun-Times said that just getting rid of Foreman will help the Bulls' uh, reputation league-wide because you remember as when Jimmy Butler left, his, his uh, trainer came out and said, I don't trust those guys. Gar Foreman has the worst morals of any person I've ever met, and that has stuck with the Bulls since then. Uh, so maybe just getting rid of Gar helps? I don't know. Either way, I'm excited, you know? Something new is happening, and there's a tiny Grateful Dead connection as Karnishevis played on the Lithuanian national team that was sponsored by the Grateful Dead. There's a Michael Jordan connection because you can see pictures of him sitting on the sidelines as Lithuania plays against Team USA, and Karnishevis is taking pictures with a camera from the sideline. It's an exciting time in Chicago. I'm happy for you, Trey. I really am. It's a, it's yeah, it's the biggest win of the year for the Bulls. Yeah, you're on, you're on fire right now. All right, well, we will see uh, Yeah, what GM ultimately comes in there, and if uh, a coaching change is made, I'm with you guys. Boylan will not be coaching the Chicago Bulls next season. That would be my opinion, um, and we see, we'll see. we see who is. Uh, our next one here, guys, this is uh, by way of Windhorse. Um, if there comes a point when the NBA you know, enacts a plan maybe to fire up the 2019-20 season, if that happens, there will reportedly be a three-and-a-half-week window for players and teams to prepare to play ball. ESPN's Brian Windhorst says the league is looking at a 25-day return to basketball window that would feature 11 days for individual workouts, you know, with social distancing measures in place, and then another 14 days for team training camps before return to actual games. Lee, let's start with you. Um, again, this is ESPN's Brian Windhorst is reporting that if we do get ball coming back, it you know, we'll get, they'll get the clearance, but it's going to take like three and a half weeks before games are even played. Do you think that's realistic at all? Well, I think that's sort of what the league has to do because players have been kept apart from each other, so there's they haven't really been able to work out as a team. So you imagine a lot of guys are working on their you know their 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 own health and their um, fitness, mm-hmm. but you need to get back around your guys, going over drills, going over routines, and getting back into that rhythm, and also just being out on the court together, but. Having combined this with the news we found out at the start of the show here with with Carl Anthony Towns' mother, personally, I I think I don't think I'm not, I'm working on the scenario that we will not see basketball again this season because I just can't see what would happen if these teams get back together and then all of a sudden we find out someone either a player or somebody within the organisation has the virus again because that is just going to cause so many more problems. I mean, what do you do then? Do you have to shut the league down? So. Um, I think the league has probably got multiple scenarios um, in, in play here, uh, but they realise that if they do get back to playing, guys are going to need some time to get back in shape. So this is the sort of minimum time it's going to take them before they're ready. But then we're already where the playoffs should have started on Saturday for the for this weekend. You add another month to that, and we're at least minimum sort of a month or two away from any sort of action right now. It's going to drag into... August, September, and I just don't think that's going to happen. So, personally, I think this season is a write-off, uh, and even even getting in, it's even sort of spilling over into next season right now. I think because we just don't even, I don't even think we're at the top of the uh, of the virus right now. I think there's still so much more to come for this. So, um, the NBA understands clearly that that players are not around each other. They're not ready to go. They're not going to be ready to go within a week. They're going to need a lot of time whenever. We do get back to playing, but as I say, I think that's going to be a long, long, long way from now. Well, I think what this report, uh, Windhorse is basically saying, it is going to be a long time from now because this whole 25-day window here, it's not mm-hmm. even, hey, we're going to be in camp for 25 days. It's going to be basically half of it, 11 of the 25 days is going to be you're on your own, what you're doing right now. It's the exact same thing as what you're doing right now, but we're getting serious. We're getting closer uh, to uh, actually playing. So... That means when we're close, we'll let you know, and you kind of have 10 days, 11 days on your own, do your thing, and then you have a two-week uh, training camp. So uh, to me, it's, it's, that's the warning period. This is, this is nowhere close to happening. And 
you know, we're we're not close to the scenario with with the NBA or the sports worlds uh, or or the uh, the conversations going on. Windhorst is closer. He's been swung, according to the article, from being pessimistic to optimistic. But it, it's not. We're in April, and this is a long time. It could. It is a long time from now. It could be July-ish, August-ish. There's time. So um, we'll be chilling for a while, and and. I mean, this really, this really seems like if there's anything, if there are games going to be played, there's going to be, it's going to be a shortened playoff season. Everything's going to be crunched. It's going to be a different type of schedule if we do get basketball this season. Yeah, and I'm sure we're hear a lot of these kind of plans as the as the the shutdown continues, right? We're going to be hearing every sort of proposal the NBA has for being able to come back because the NBA is going to want to be ready to come back whenever it is finally able to be done. Uh, the general consensus was that it would be four to six weeks for players to get back in shape to play games, and they're getting three and a half, which I guess is pretty close to four. So, I mean, we will see if it actually transpires, if we get some games, but there's no doubt that the NBA has plans in action to be able to fire this up if it ever is able to be fired up. Yeah, and I think it's important to note, too, I mean, this is Windhorse's reporting. We've heard from Commissioner Adam Silver directly, and he has just flat out said no decision is going to be made on any of this until May. Um, so that's, you know, I'm sure behind the scenes, of course, I'm not doubting Windhorse's reporting here, but that's what he's told us. We don't even know. We're not even going to address this until May, which is, of course, a couple weeks away. The other thing is Baxter Holmes, you know, he had reported a lot of team officials he had talked to. Yeah, he said, or they said, um, yeah, we need at least a month-long period to sort of help players, you know, get physically um, back in shape, prepare for that layoff to avoid... A bunch of injuries. I just think even though if the NBA comes back, and I'm doubtful, just like you guys, that it even does this season, um, I don't think you're getting 25 days. Uh, I, I really don't. I know you would want that. I know you would want a month. I get it. I get why you would want it because you don't want ugly basketball and, and the fear of injuries with some of these guys. Like Jason Tatum just said he hasn't touched a basketball. He was just on the jump with Rachel Nichols. He's like, since the shutdown, he's barely touched a basketball. So these guys are like, not all of them are going to be in shape. I get that. But at the same time, if this gets pushed back further and further and further, and there is then some glimmer of hope that we can have some regular season or playoffs, I just don't think you're going to get another month to then lead up to it. I really don't. I think it's going to be more in the 10 to 14 day sort of window. It has to be shorter. And but you know, this is sort, really... that's sort of what it is, though, is Skeets. Not to get into semantics, but one horse is saying you're getting two weeks with the team. And okay, 10 days, so 10 you're days saying that, that 11 days prior is just them saying, hey, guys, we're getting close to coming back. So if you haven't been doing your individual workouts, start doing them, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. a warning period. You might, instead of going from virtual, hey, I've got my trainer on Zoom, he can meet you somewhere eight feet away and, and get it on or something to that effect. Like it's it's really just a two-week camp but yeah. and then a, a little warm-up period before. There's going to be no advantage to teams coming out of this. I mean... Like, really, I mean, everybody's going to be in the same boat. It's going to likely be some pretty ugly basketball and, quite frankly, maybe some dangerous, but maybe they just, everybody agrees to take it a little easier with these guys. Their their minutes aren't ramped up. Who knows? It's just going to be, it's an even, it's an even playing field at the very least of everybody coming back from this obviously weird situation. If, if, if it's like, oh, we got to have basketball, we got to finish this season, um, we will see. But I thought there was one part in Baxter's piece, I guess it was, from a Western Conference GM, you know, that wasn't named. He said, people forget how much these guys are actually getting treated every day, talking about the players, preventively treated, so not to heal, but to prevent injury, and that's what's been missing. That is a fair point that I don't think I had really even thought of, um, you know, in terms of, like, just these training staffs. It's a bunch of preventive treatment to apply to these guys so they don't get injured. Um, because of the, the physical rigors of playing basketball. so And that's, in theory, they don't have that. I don't know, maybe LeBron's somehow got his own personal uh, physical trainer there that he's been quarantined with this entire time. Uh, that seems doubtful to me. Um, but that's a that's a fair point. If we get basketball, though, be prepared. It's going to be ugly. I mean, I, <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. And, but you know what? Ugly basketball is still basketball. So I think we would all take it if we uh, obviously can get to that safe part where we could I see I mean, it. we watched two hours of horse this week, and we're yeah. going to watch another two. Yeah. Yeah, we are. are we Ugly basketball is no problem. <laughs> well, Lee, do you, Lee, do you think you've been working on your game more than some NBA players? 
Well, certainly on the certainly on the little uh, court yeah. that I've got here in the in the driveway for sure. Yeah, yeah, I've been uh, shooting, beating up the seven and eight year old kids. So um, you know, it's great. But I am happy to see a little bit of progress with my own son because uh, he nailed ten free throws in a row the other day, which was Whoa. great. Uh, you know, <laughs> got him on the line already. You know, yeah, Very exactly. Nice. I said, just start, just start here. Just line your shot up first, and then we'll start going around the rim. But uh, yeah, so I was pretty happy. And, and he's working on his handles and everything. So, you know, silver lining to all this, of course. Cause well, he, Trey, uh, he Kirby, hasn't... Trey, I've never seen you dribble more in your life than you walking around with a basketball right now. Exactly right. How in the world has Jason Tatum not touched a basketball in a month? <laughs> yeah, Grab is, a basketball when you go weird. for a walk. It's fun. There's nothing better to do. You can, you're not going to be touching anything. Just dribble around. You'll look like... Pistol Pete in that movie. <laughs> Are you crossing up anyone, Trey? Imaginarily? <laughs> yeah, I've actually been a little bit worried that we're going to have to take my daughters to the emergency room because I've broken their ankles so many times. <laughs> Don't want to go to the emergency room right now. <laughs> That's exactly right. Those cross-ups. Yeah, so uh, we will obviously see there will be more news uh, in the coming weeks uh, and probably not until May when we once again hear from Commissioner Silver on uh, the NBA's plans to move forward with this season or to not. Um, I think it will still be a couple more weeks. All right, well, we got more NBA news here to dissect, but first, a word from our sponsors. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit, or tuxedo for their big day. Did you know the Black Tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? We've been doing this ad for a minute now, and I still can't fathom how bad that fitting must have been to start an entire company about it. But it turns out the Black Tux dudes aren't alone in this frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tux shops that shall not be named. Go elsewhere. This place is pretty terrible. Unless you're dressing like, you guessed it, your grandpa for Halloween. We felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding day. So we left. What I personally love about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Took my measurements this morning, 36, 24, 36, so I'm ready to pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on and feel the fit and quality before I commit. But if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it one last time. Talk about a commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. So if you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tux at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with code DUNKS. That's theblacktux.com, code DUNKS, for 10% off your purchase, the Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. Guys, I am so thirsty right now. I'm sitting here in my own stink. I've been working out in my garage, and uh, I just, I, I am dehydrated. So I'm sitting on drinkhydrant.com and looking at their rapid hydration mix. And boy, does it look good right now. Their individual flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. All of those help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors or artificial sweeteners, and the formula is vegan. You can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a bucket packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. That's just smart. For 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code NODUNKS at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter promo code NODUNKS for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com, promo code NODUNKS. Woo! All right, back to the headlines here, the big news from the last couple days in the NBA world because things are sort of happening. Um, Over the weekend, Rudy Gobert downplayed apparent friction between him and his teammate Donovan Mitchell, saying that they recently spoke for the first time since Gobert 
tested positive for the coronavirus and triggered the suspension of the NBA season. This is coming on the heels, of course, of a fantastic, uh, lengthy athletic article from Shams and Sam Amick and Tony Jones breaking down how that all went down, um, sort of the days leading up and that night of the NBA shutting down. And within that, there was this nugget from that athletic article that the Jazz had already begun working on that Mitchell-Gobert relationship, but sources say Mitchell remains reluctant to fix what might have been broken. It doesn't appear salvageable, one source with knowledge of the situation said. Haven't heard a lot from Mitchell on this, um, but Gobert, as I just said over the weekend, sort of saying, no, no, they have now talked. But what, let, Tass, let's start with you. What What's your, I mean, who, who knows? We're sort of guessing, but are you fearsome uh, if you were a Jazz fan that this maybe can't be saved and eventually they'll have to make a decision of sort of who you go with, a Gobert or a Mitchell? Yeah, we're definitely talking about a he said, he said, and we have no idea about the relationship. And do you even need a relationship to win championships together? Probably not, but I'm less, I guess, optimistic about from Rudy Gobert, the perspective of Rudy Gobert saying, hey, yeah, we're all good. Things Things are never perfect. And I'm a little bit more pessimistic about Donovan Mitchell coming out in his interview immediately after everything happened. Uh, with Rudy Gobert contracting the virus on Good Morning America on ABC and not downplaying the the uh, the rift whatsoever. It, mm-hmm. If if anything, he he played it up, and so there's a big opportunity. You're on national TV. This is ABC. They're just waiting for you to say it's not his fault. But he didn't extend an olive branch whatsoever, and mm-hmm. so. I think there's there's room to be concerned that it's it's extends more beyond just a, hey we're not buddies it's more it's more of a scenario on the basketball court Rudy Gobert has kind of had his head down and not been all that pumped playing offense and often playing defense and so um, I would be concerned giving Rudy Gobert a, a big big contract with the way things are going right now and if they don't have this season especially if they don't have this season to get things right on the floor then I think probably trade him next season they both have one year left on their contracts donovan mitchell uh, seems to be um the star that you'd want to go with because rudy gobert as good a defender as he is he struggles on the other end and he can uh, he can be thrown into some tough scenarios on the defensive ends where he's stranded on islands mm-hmm. and he does move his feet at times and he does get back and he is he is a really really tough rim protector but I'd be more comfortable going with Donovan Mitchell forward in that scenario uh, where you got you have to decide between the two of them so if I'm a Jazz fan I'm desperately hoping to see them make it work this season because if you go into their contract years next year I know we talked about a few weeks ago on a beach stepping podcast how much money do you give to Rudy Gobert and there's there's talk about maybe he's a max guy after winning uh, a, a defensive player of the year but on this team where they just funnel everything to him, the, the defense is designed to give him, uh, make him look the best possible. Uh, but at the same time, if he is switching on a defense and he is uh, out there on an island and the defense isn't designed for him, I don't know how great he is. And so um, I'm, I'm reluctant to, uh, to say that we're going to see this, this twosome in Utah going forward, even though they need Rudy to be great. And Joe Ingles downplayed it on The Athletic. What else is he supposed to do in, in a podcast with The Athletic? And Tony Jones has, on The Athletic has also kind of said that things aren't great. So uh, when when there's sort of that, that level of uh, a divide in the media, then that kind of, that, to me, that means that it's not a great scenario going on behind closed doors. Yeah, it hasn't been a good season for Rudy Gobert because what he's known for is defense and he has been exposed a few times this season. Uh, you know, when the Jazz were playing well, when they had that good hot streak, when they didn't have a really tough uh, stretch of opponents, you know, he played well then. But otherwise, a couple of times, Rudy looked a little bit out of place. Now, because he was an all-star and the Defensive Player of the Year awards, he's, he is entitled for five years and around $250 million, although that will obviously change considering the salary cap is going to take a big uh, drop in the next year or two. 
but uh, he still provides enormous value uh, when he is playing well. So it's a tough spot here for the Jazz because, you know, Donovan Mitchell's fantastic, but he's not a true point guard either. So they've got a few issues there. I do think they probably ultimately side with Mitchell if they have to decide out of one of those two guys. But that's the positive for that then for the Jazz is they should get significant uh, value in return for a trade for Rudy because I think there'll be a lot of teams interested in him because what he provides is is quite valuable at his best. But, you know, like a lot of players, uh, you have an up and down, you know, throughout your career, you have ups and downs. And, and ironically, Rudy made the all-star team this year and both of them did. Whereas the last couple of years where he seemed closer and, and he was very upset when he didn't make it, he had better seasons. So, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a tough spot. But personally, I think there is still plenty of time for this to be salvageable. I, I do, because we don't know for sure anyway if Rudy gave it to Donovan or Donovan gave it to Rudy or neither of them gave it to any right. of them. Yeah. You know, Donovan was clearly upset because of the way Rudy behaved in the locker room, you know, sort of careless and touching everyone's stuff, which understandable. But I think in the big picture, there's enough time for the Jazz front office and the ownership to sit down and say, okay, it was silly, it happened, but let's look at what we've got here, guys. You know, we've got a good base for our team. Let's see if we can overcome this and move forward. So I don't think it's um, it's the end of Rudy and Donovan and or Rudy and Utah for sure. I think there's time for the Jazz, and I think that will still be their focus, that they would rather keep those two guys together, uh, in my opinion. Whether or not they decide to give Rudy the max contract might be the uh, ultimate deciding factor. They might say, we don't want to give him that huge money, so we will trade him. But if Rudy is almost like understanding that, like, okay, I don't want the super max, then maybe there's some middle ground there and, and maybe they can go forward. So I think there's still enough time here for the Jazz to sort this out. I would like to hear if there was any sort of a rift before. Yes. Because, like Tass was mentioning, it seemed like Mitchell and Gobert were not necessarily on the same page throughout the season. There were lots of times uh, where Rudy would be wide open underneath the basket and wouldn't get the ball just because, I don't know, maybe Donovan didn't see him or maybe he thought another play was the the right play. It just didn't seem like uh, Gobert was as, as involved in the offense as he would have liked to have been, which then maybe led to some waning effort on the defensive end. The Jazz went from second in defense last year when uh, Jay Crowder and Derek Favors were still around to help out. They kind of put all their chips in the Rudy Gobert basket this year, and they're still a good defense. He's still a valuable, impactful defensive player, but they're down to 11th now. He can't do it all on his own, and if there was any sort of rift before uh, the virus took hold, uh, maybe this exacerbates it. We need to hear from Donovan Mitchell. It's, it's good to hear from Rudy Gobert that they've talked, that they're still devoted to winning a championship together because the two of them are a good mix uh, as a pick-and-roll partnership, and Gobert's able to make up for some of Mitchell's deficiencies on the defensive end, but that's different than saying we're friends, we can't wait to be around each other and see each other again. Is Donovan Mitchell, if Donovan Mitchell is the one that's mad, we need to hear from him that he's not mad anymore. Yeah, yeah, because like Tass said, I, I, and I agree, they don't, you don't need to be best friends to uh, win a title or have success in the NBA, but you do have to you got to respect each other and you know you're going to war every night with that with that guy out there so if that is gone then that's an issue and you're probably then going to have to make a decision but exactly what you said tk is this for the lack of a better word is mitchell using the coronavirus you know hitting gobert and then the team is he using it as an excuse you know to to force the jazz hands of like hey me or him or i even want out of here that's what i want to know and and we won't know that until we actually hear from mitchell uh, really to speak on it. Yeah, he did that thing um, with, uh, who'd you say, Good Morning America way back in the day. But otherwise, he's been pretty damn quiet mm-hmm. on, on all of this. So, yeah, this is, uh, I mean, so let me do ask you this, though. Let's say it can't be saved. Lee says it probably can still. They're going to try. Sure. Are you guys, uh, we'll start with you, Trey. If you had to pick between right now Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell moving forward, given the big paycheck too, and you can only have one of them, if you're the Jazz is that an automatic Mitchell? Do you think maybe it's go actually Gobert? Where do you fall on that? For me, it's Otto Dono uh, yeah. because he's going to be so much cheaper. He's going to be a restricted free agent coming off of his uh, rookie contract. So his max, while it is still a max for him, it ain't as big as Rudy Gobert's. And, you know, you need somebody who can score to win in the NBA. It's great to have a good defense, but as we've seen with the Jazz, there have been times when they haven't been able to get their offense going. I just think you'd be a little bit nervous about paying $40 million to Rudy Gobert when he's 32 years old, when we're already seeing there may be a ceiling to this team. Tass, same question. What do you think? Yeah, no doubt. Not yeah. even a... 
Not even a ponder. But not even a ponder, but can we agree that, like, is it an argument right now at least, like, who's more important to the Jazz in terms of winning games right this moment? Be it Rudy or Donovan Mitchell? In terms of the way they play? and, and Yeah, and, I think, I think yeah. that's an argument for players based on today. Like, I mean, I, they're both solid all-star players who are in the top 25 in the league. One of them gives you an offensive hub and one of them makes your defense a solid defense even if it's maybe not the greatest defense in the league anymore um i'm it's definitely it's definitely a tough call between who is more vital to winning for the jazz right now because the other thing is they do work well together when they're on the court and when they're on the same page that's that's the tough thing if they're able to to figure things out and get their chemistry back to where it has been in the past if they're able to uh, if Donovan Mitchell's able to figure out how to play off the ball so that Ingles and Gobert are able to to work their pick and roll magic, it it certainly works. The 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 building, the framework is there. It just seems to be that there's a, a little rot in the foundation. Yeah, Lee, Lee uh, are you a no brainer that you would go with Mitchell over Rudy Gobert for the future? Yeah, I mean, not a no brainer, but but I, I guess uh, I would lean towards Mitchell. But I mean, he's still got to work on his game as well because, as I said earlier, he's he's sort of played point I mean they got Mike Conley in to try to uh, ease a little bit of the workload there for him but he's more a scoring guard than a true point guard um, and he needs to you know his shot selection at times is still a little bit iffy but he's a young guy he's got plenty of time to work on that but you know with Rudy Gobert do you, do you look at this season and see this as a blip on the on the you know career arc that he was on because he was a very dominant player defensively who needed to improve his offensive game or do you see maybe this is his ceiling you know maybe it's like okay Again, as I said earlier, there's going to be in a lot of demand. A lot of teams are going to want a guy who can protect the rim the way that Rudy can at his best. So I think there'll be uh, a lot of trade value out there for him. But do you want to pay that guy, you know, potentially fifty odd million in in three or four in four or five years' time? And that's probably what's going to hold the Jazz back, I would think, because uh, you know that's what he could be entitled to, which is just crazy money when you think about it. But of course, in five years' time, there'll be a lot of guys earning that sort of money. So. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, for the Jazz, they, you know, I was one of the people who thought coming to the season that they really should be contending for second or third in the West, but that hasn't been the case. I don't think uh, it's been a great season for them. And a part of it, a big part of it has been that Rudy hasn't been able to re- really stamp himself on the defensive end, which I think a part of that is the fact that Derek Favors isn't there, who was an incredibly underrated defender. You know, not the sort of athletic rim protector that we saw, but just a guy who knew how to, uh, you know, position his body and who the Jazz really relied on to body up a few guys. So uh, it's a it's an interesting decision that the Jazz have to make. But I, I think ultimately, if they are, are going to choose one over the other, they would side with Mitchell, even though it wouldn't be a you know wouldn't be without long discussions. Yeah, just to push back on that a little bit, what you said there, Lee, because I'm with you. I think uh, a lot of us were very, very high on the Jazz coming into this season, and and they haven't blown us away. But you know, 41 and 23 when when we got shut down, they're like three games back from the second seed from the Clippers, yeah, and you yeah. know even less than the Nuggets. So what you just said, the two three seed, is what you pictured in your mind as the Jazz. Well, they're, I mean, they're basically right there. Yeah, I don't look. I don't have their standings in front of me, but it felt like the Jazz. Beat the good team, uh, beat the bad teams quite well, but struggled against the good teams. Um, I'm going to see if I can if I can pull you it up. You just never because... took them as a as after the season started to unfold as a legitimate title contender because no, well, they were not that great in your opinion against some of the yeah, better teams. When they went on that big winning streak, I mean, uh, most of the team. Oh, yeah, they was... beat up a lot of crappy teams. Yeah, yeah and, and and then uh, and then they just uh, they just struggled. And you know, from what we've seen of them in the playoffs, particularly last season they needed to be a much more convincing team this season and I don't think they were so mm-hmm. again at their best you know I think they are very very they're capable of being very very good but they certainly weren't doing that this season enough and enough you know consistently you said the record great record a lot of teams will have love to have that record but I think if you uh, scratch the surface a little bit you kind of it, it doesn't really reflect what their real uh, position is in the league. I mean, mm-hmm. well, Lee, you're a genius. Matchup, who would they the Jazz are right 30 and eight clip? against teams below 500, 11 and right. 15 against teams 500 and above. You yeah. don't need the stats, man. Just go on that beautiful brain of yours. <laughs> so there you go, though. That that sort of does you know back up my case there. That, that they mm-hmm. they they just weren't that convincing against good teams. Uh, but to order in order to win 41 games and be 23. You got to take care of the crap teams. That's what yeah. good teams do. So you know, um, 
Anyway, I think it's I, funny I, with the I think it's funny with the Jazz um, when I look back. I mean, it feels like Mitchell's been there a lot longer than he has, just because he you know came onto the scene out of nowhere and it was he was such an impactful player right away. But the Jazz like won fifty one games in the season before Mitchell even showed up. I mean, that's with the Gordon Hayward and all that. Gobert, of course, still a backbone of that defense at the time. Um, they were a good damn team, and they've been. The, you know, the similar team since Mitchell's been there, I think it was 48 wins and then 50 wins. So, like, still right there. They just haven't taken it to the next level, and we keep thinking every year that they're going to to become more of an upper echelon team, not just a really good team. And they haven't. Um, and maybe, like you said, Lee, not even this year as well. So, you know, you can't... I think we're agreeing that you don't want to lock in massive, massive, massive money to both of those guys if your plateau with the, with the way they're currently made up is a 50-win team that maybe gets to the second round, right? I mean, it's like you're, you're either out yeah. in the first round or maybe get to the second round, and no one takes you all that serious moving on. But we will see decisions maybe to be made, or maybe they can make this all work. we got to wait to really hear from Mitchell, I think, on this one. All right, a couple more, guys. According to the New York Daily News, Tom Thibodeau is confident he'll be back coaching next season, and he's been asking around the league for advice on the best opportunity. It's unclear right now where Tibbs might land or which teams maybe he's eyeing, but the Knicks and the Nets could be possible destinations um, after both those clubs fired their their bench bosses during the 1920 campaign. Hey, maybe it's the Bulls after Boylan gets fired. <laughs> Damn. I knew yeah. someone was going to make that joke. I didn't yeah. know who it was going to be. But sorry, yeah. sorry. Be to it in, in, in getting to the, even to the piece of news here. But um, yeah, this isn't huge news. We thought for a while that Thibodeau would want to come back. Um, is there a particular spot where you'd like to see him? I mean, maybe the Rockets have an opening too. Um, there's other teams that, you know, obviously there could be eventually down the line a, a coaching spot available. What about what do you guys think about Tibbs coming back? Second highest winning percentage in Bulls history. And for a long time, the longest, the best winning percentage in Bulls history. Come on back, baby. Raise that basement. <laughs> I assume that things have changed for Tom Thibodeau. He is asking people their opinions. So maybe when he's asking these people their opinions on jobs, they're also mentioning, hey, man, if you're coming back next year, you can't play everybody 45 minutes a game. You got to give some run to the Tony Snells and Marquise Teagues out there. Just let them get a a little bit of a run. Get your guys a breather. Uh, Things will definitely have to change for Thibodeau, but I think he's a good good coach. He's a guy that's going to make your team better because they're going to be bought in defensively and playing a defensive system. Uh, The league no doubt caught up to the Thibs system, but he's had a couple of seasons out now. I assume he's probably been visiting practices. We know that has happened in the past, so he's probably strategizing for what his team would look like whenever it is. I don't necessarily know that he's the perfect coach for the Bulls, but I wouldn't be mad if they brought him back. The team would be better. There's no doubt. I, I don't think... Uh, I wouldn't be excited if, if he was a coach of my team. I don't think he can change. He's 62 years old, and he's been a lifelong coach, and he's coached that same way forever. And it's fine that he's asking around and maybe seeking advice as to how he can get back into the league, but if you look at what happened in Chicago and Minnesota, kind of the same thing. Like He drove his players into the ground. His players didn't really like it in the end because he was you know, going far too hard in practice. That's not true. Jimmy Butler always loved it. Well, yeah, they, he did for a while, but then, of course, he didn't like it after when he got there to Minnesota. So I, I think, unfortunately, the time has passed for Tibbs. I thought he did. He Look, when he came into Chicago, he did really well. You know, they, they achieved something. They got to the playoffs, and he had an MVP and a defensive player of the year. But ultimately, his style just doesn't really uh, gel anymore with the NBA. He, he's too much of an old-school guy. So... I personally, it's one thing to say you're going to change, but I just can't see Tibbs. I remember I spoke to Nick Friedel one day when he was on the Bulls beat, and he said that the thing with Tibbs was just every day he just said, work harder, work harder, work harder. And I just can't see a guy now saying, you know what, I'm going to ease up a little bit. So I wouldn't be excited at all if he he was a coach of one of my teams, which I have 30 of them, so it wouldn't be any of them. (laughs) (laughs) That's what do you think of Tibbs possibly coming back to coach? Well, 62 is the new 42, Lee. I think he can change, man. No big, no big deal. Do you want your coach to say work less hard? Is that what you want? I want, I want the coach to be able to adapt a little bit. The players are different now. You know, they're not like they were when he started coaching you know, 30 years ago. And, um, and, and yeah. also, as well, even see someone like Doc Rivers, I think, is a good example of a guy who learned to adjust because he's been known to be a coach who doesn't practice a lot because he feels that his players, you know, as long as they stay in shape, 
they need to conserve their energy for games. Whereas Tibbs, to me, came across as the other, that it's like old school, practice, 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 two hours in the gym, you know, the day after a, a, a back-to-back. And that Couldn't just you doesn't... argue a team like the Knicks need someone like that? Exactly. To actually come in uh, and say, hey, maybe we should practice look at what he's done in his with? career. All he has done is won in his career. He yeah. won more than 50% of his games in all but two of his seasons. He took the Minnesota Timberwolves to the playoffs for the first time in 15 years. Yeah, but ultimately, aren't you going to say, but in the end, he wears his players down physically and emotionally so as what? well. So what? Who cares? They wow. will fire him eventually. Enjoy the four years of your team getting better and better and actually learning how to play NBA defense. Yeah, I, I don't. I just don't think it gels anymore. And I just don't think that's, uh, that, that's the sort of thing that players are going to respond to anymore. Myself, I mean, players are different. They've, they've come through different systems now. And, and then you have an old guy just yelling and screaming at you and, and just making you work so hard in practice. I just don't I think thought you were a Greg way. Popovich fan. <laughs> yeah, but he's changed as well. Popovich is a guy who's shown over time that he's adjusted. He doesn't do a lot of practicing on uh, on off days anymore. He likes to keep his guys fresh. So, and and he's adapted his game to the styles of the league. You know, the Spurs became a good three point shooting league team, even though uh, Pop hates the three pointer. So, you know, some guys can adapt and, and adjust over time. I just don't think Thibodeau's one of those. He just needs a little kombucha, and he'll he'll change it up. He'll, just, he'll be a young man again, and he'll have a new revitalized look on life. And and maybe the last couple of years has humbled him to some degree, being out of a job. You know, he went from the Bulls' job directly into uh, the Timberwolves' job, uh, for all intents and purposes. And maybe 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 Refreshed. this has helped him to slow it down. And yeah, that's why I mentioned the kombucha. Maybe yeah. you just want something <laughs> disgusting on your palate to change it up a little bit. Well, will... he needs he needs to chill out with Phil Jackson for a while then, and maybe uh, you know just start smoking some joints, and maybe that'll calm him down a little bit because he seems like a fairly uh, you know highly highly strung guy and. Um, Conceding power, I think, is his problem. That's that's where I think it's the the issue that he doesn't like to give up too much of uh, the the lesser roles. Like he doesn't like to relinquish any power to the players, or as even his assistant coaches. He likes to control everything, and and uh, you've got to be a little bit more um, democratic like that. Like Steve Kerr, I think Steve Kerr has done a great job in Golden State. He had great players, no question. But Steve Kerr hired guys who he felt would would you know uh, like Ron Adams, who would actually help him understand when to sort of go hard and when to wheeze off on his players. and um, You'll never you know. guess who Ron Adams used to work with, Lee. <laughs> Tom Thibodeau. That's right. <laughs> so you're telling me this guy doesn't collaborate? I'm saying I, I, I feel that he finds it a little bit harder to let let other guys have the voice in the locker room. I don't think uh, other coaches do that. Like Again, Greg Popovich is a good example. I think he lets his, other, his players and his senior players contribute, whereas... Tibbs to me, the fact that he upset Jimmy Butler, who they had a great reputation together, tells me that, that you know, at the end, Tibbs pisses off everybody. And I think that's, that's going to be the problem. Um, so personally, I mean, look, there's no doubt he could come in and he should improve a team's defense. Although Minnesota's defense didn't improve all that much when he was there, in, uh, when he was there if I remember correctly. Um, but he's gonna, you know, he's gonna be sort of disciplined with his guys. But it's a bit like the Scott Skiles thing. He's good for a year or so, and then all of a sudden, guys just start tuning him out because it's that same yeah. droning message that that guys don't re- respond to in the same way that they used to, maybe in the uh, in the eighties. I just like to um, now picture a stoned Tibbs on the sidelines <laughs> shouting ice, ice. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> yeah. It'd be a little different, wouldn't it? Um, I, I will say to to put a button on the Tibbs talk here. I can't picture him. I could be wrong, but I can't picture him coaching the Nets with Kyrie <laughs> and KD. That yeah. seems like it wouldn't work all that well. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they would. Can you? The guy I mean, that. can you imagine if on after this, uh, after a back to back or four and five, and Tibbs calls a coach a, a training the next day, a practice. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and those guys are just like, no, man, that's not how it goes. We need yeah. to we, we need to rest. I mean, that yeah. that's the sort of thing that senior players, they won't put up with. Younger players who are not experienced and haven't been around the league very long wouldn't really know any difference. But yeah. senior guys are not going to put up with that. Yeah, that's why, I don't know. That's why the Knicks could be a, you know, a possibility to me because they've been garbage for so long. They could use some damn defense. They have maybe some guys that look like they could play some great defense you know, in, in Frankie Isovis there and Mitchell Robinson and so on. Like, I don't know, you have an identity, um, a system put in place. 
I, they're going to be more successful. We agree with that, but I still hear you, Lee. The idea of like Tibbs might come in for a year or two, and yeah, things are fine, and then they get tired of him. Sure. Uh, yeah. But Doesn't that happen to every coach? Every yeah, coach it does. Gets fired. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Of course. I mean, there's a handful that don't. I, what's like? It's like two years is like the average, mm-hmm. you, know, yeah. you know, coach expectancy or whatever you want to call it. I yeah. mean, guys like you know who've been there longer, like Spolstra and Rick Carlisle. I think they've figured out a way to sort of communicate with younger players and yeah. older players. Um, so, you know, it, the, there are some coaches who have been successful, but, uh, you know, the way that the way that uh, it went with Tibbs, to me, is like, I can't see him changing. If he can change, good on him. And I'm sure he can get back in the league. But again, as we get a bit older, we all get a little bit stuck in our ways, you know? So uh, trying to get a, a 62-year-old guy to chill out who's not been too chill throughout his life, I think is going to be a bit of an obstacle for him. Man, you're, Especially... you're ageist. You're definitely an ageist. <laughs> really I, think as, I think as well in a market like New York City, I mean, I can imagine like the, the media... What chiller just... place is there than New York City? <laughs> <laughs> he needs to go to somewhere like, uh, I don't know, Indiana. You know, where uh, things are, there's less spotlight, less focus. You can go out there in the, uh, haven't they got the potato farms out there? Is that where it is in Indiana? Okay. (laughs) Moving on. You're now talking about potato farms. All right, final headline here. Let's wrap this up. Um, I know Lee didn't watch this. That's for damn sure. Nor did I. NBA.com, they got the headline. (laughs) Devin Booker wins NBA 2K Players Tournament. Yeah, he won this on Saturday night. Booker uh, um, took on his teammate, DeAndre Eaton in the best of three final. I didn't realize it was a best of three final. He took it 2-0. Booker said, I played a lot growing up. It's all about timing and eye coordination. Um, Good thing from this, Booker earned $100,000 donation to a coronavirus-related relief effort of his choice. So good on Booker there. Um, I know Lee didn't watch, so I'm not even asking him. Tass or Trey, did you guys watch a second of this thing? Mm -mm. No, No. just the clips online maybe. I was excited to see the Devin Booker one. Why is that? Uh, because I didn't know. Uh, but congratulations <laughs> to him and to DeAndre Ayton and then to the entirety of the Phoenix Suns. It sounds like they are the best uh, video game franchise in the NBA. That's yeah. Listen, The tournament peaked last week when Devin Booker didn't want to play as the Phoenix Suns. And I'm not sure <laughs> if um, he played with the Phoenix Suns in the, in the, in the finals. I doubt it. No, he did. Because he had he to pick a different team. He uh, used the uh, semifinals, it looks like. Or Aiton did, at least. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Aiton used them at one point. Yeah. Mm. It doesn't really matter. That though. was his mistake. <laughs> yeah, Booker. I'll say Booker called his shot on this one. I'll give him credit on that. He said, when they set this thing up, Booker said, it'll be me and Aiton in the final. He called it. He's like, we're the best players uh, yeah. in the NBA. This, so. See, like, I, I won't watch it, of course, because uh, there's nothing more boring than watching other people play video games. But You're being uh, a real Tom Thibodeau here. <laughs> you saw that. Are you 62? But, but I, would, I would love to have played this against, like, these guys when I was back in my uh, NBA Live days, you know, because I was a pretty good player. And uh, I'd love to take on an NBA player in NBA Live. So, you know, it's... I can't believe we just got a back-in-my-day about video games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I mean, football over the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I like you guys didn't watch a second of this thing. Just I wasn't all that interested. So I'm going to go off with the ringers Roger Sherman wrote. This is what he said. To be blunt, ESPN's presentation of the 2K tournament sucked. Spoiling an opportunity to potentially convince casual NBA fans to get interested in 2K and the culture around it. The gameplay was dull, the players are less skilled than pro gamers, and less entertaining than pro streamers. Hmm. It also could have used a third-party announcer to highlight some of the odd choices or funny mistakes players were making to sort of liven up the dead spots okay, when the, sure. either of the guys weren't saying anything. I agree with that. You, yeah. they, it could have been a live announcer, but the players weren't up to par. What does the, uh, the writer there want Roger want him uh, to do? Take some courses before they play? Well, no, I think the idea is like there's actually professional NBA 2K players. And oh, leagues. like dimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That, that like, league already happens. Yeah, I know, I know. I guess he was, yeah, maybe he wasn't impressed with the gameplay test. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> maybe Roger's really good at it. I don't know. But I, I, he's probably making some points. Again, I didn't watch a second of it, but yeah, from what I've read and seen going around on Twitter, it was pretty dull. Like, even the fact of like these guys talking trash to each other, there wasn't a ton of that because I think we had you know Patrick Beverly had a couple of clips where maybe he was he was Patrick Beverly like but otherwise <laughs> it was it was pretty uh pretty flat which well Devin Booker sure. said he's got great hand-eye coordination and timing that sounds like some great watching to me I love that line 
I've had great hand coordination and timing forever. Yeah, all you basketball players have great hand coordination and timing. Yeah, maybe they just needed a hype man because, you know, the yeah. the trash talk moments certainly were good, but that only happens a few times a game. Uh, so you need somebody that's just exactly covering up the dull spots of it. Somebody just said, oh, what are you doing? Why are you passing? Why are you bringing Mikhail Bridges in? I don't know. Something like that. Somebody yeah. to get the jokes off. Because even with Horse, that was the best part, was when the players were talking back and forth to each other. You're not just watching somebody play video games at that point. You're seeing people hang out, which would have been fun. Uh, but it was a little bit too much focus on the game. And maybe that's because these guys are competitors. They're not used to doing it like Ninja on Twitch, getting these jokes off the whole time. Yeah, I would. I'd rather see them play NBA Jam versus each other. Give mm. me like just pair up the teammates, like actual teammates. Maybe that's how we can bring uh, Gobert and Mitchell back together. You know, have them play an NBA Jam duo versus some other team. And let's get that's crazy. a better idea actually than just playing NBA Live or NBA Two K, whatever it is. Because NBA Jam was fun, and you could actually watch that and enjoy it. Because I like uh, watching people play that. Actually, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, because it's no, like. But I think that might just divide Mitchell and Gobert more. Gobert can't Ooh. shoot the three. <laughs> oh, no, right. but everyone, say, everyone. I want a guy who can shoot the three as my partner. <laughs> yeah, but everyone can kind of shoot it on, on NBA Jam, you know? Like, so, like, and you, I could, I'd love to see Rudy Gobert do one of those big, like, somersault dunks, you know? Like, do 10 somersaults in the air and smash it down. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to okay boomers all of us right now. Um, and, uh, and we'll wrap it up there. Yeah, some NBA news that we've had over the last couple of days. As I said, get your questions and your comments in for Beach Steppin coming up later this week. No dunks at theathletic.com or you can tweet at us at no dunks inc. Hashtag no dunks. And once again, we got that Windy City shirt. It is fire. It's now available for sale. Go to nodunks.com to find that tee and uh, all the all the proceeds from the sale of that shirt are going to the American Nurses Foundation. And again, you're helping out a small business here in Atlanta. Uh, Fallen Arrows, who actually takes care of, you know, printing our shirts and shipping them out. So win, 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 because you get that fire shirt. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, No Dunks is a basketball show. Embrace the day, people. You could stay.